Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Bright Lights podcast. I'm your host, Deegs, joined as always by my wonderful friend, Mahoney. How we doing? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Uh, today, um, our wonderful third co-host, PT, is not here, but we are joined by another person, Giraffe Neck Mark. Mark, how we doing today? Doing good. I mean, we're just getting over the wisdom teeth surgery, but we're feeling good and ready to go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just got my wisdom teeth pulled out, too. Really, it's not fun at all, especially the whole chubby cheeks part. But, um, yeah, so, Mark, why don't you explain to everybody that doesn't know who you are uh, about your YouTube channel, the kind of content you create, and, and what you do on YouTube. All right, so uh, I'm Draft Neck Mark, but I like people calling me Mark. Um, I just make baseball videos on YouTube. You know, start off with MLB The Show, but we've now transitioned into talking about actual baseball, you know, MLB News, breaking down trades, breaking down free agent signings, honestly, anything that happens in baseball. Um, and, yeah, just – talking baseball over there it's fun you know we bs a little bit over there have some fun with yankee fans and have a good time <laughs> yeah always fun to mess with the yankees fans so your youtube channel started youtube channel started with that will be the show do you plan on bringing that back this upcoming year so as of right now the plan is that on the youtube channel we're going to kind of keep everything actual major league baseball related and mlb the show will maybe be over on twitch strictly um okay. that's kind of the plan right now but, of course, that can all change as time goes on. But yeah, just the way that MLB The Show went last year and the way the channel's headed right now, um, covering just regular baseball, it seems like it's probably not coming back to the YouTube channel. Okay. Your YouTube channel has definitely taken leaps when since you've gone to in-real-life baseball news. But uh, with MLB The Show, you, we were introduced to Jabari Blash. So how great have it, has an experience has it been being able to talk to a professional baseball player on a regular basis um it's he's the man like i i've said it in my videos when i actually went and met the guy but he's just like really normal like he doesn't act like he's above me or he's uh -huh. better than me. he acts like we've been friends for like all this time and i mean we haven't obviously so um it's been really awesome i mean the dude is incredibly nice. I mean, he texted me like on Christmas saying Merry Christmas and stuff like that. So oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, that's it's, crazy. You know, going back to MLB, what was it 16, 17 when it first started? Um, I never in my mind would have thought that it would have turned into like actually being friends with the guy and, you know, texting him and talking. So it's, it's definitely cool. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, so this year you actually got to go to one of his games at my Chicago White Sox guaranteed right field. Um, Talk, tell me about your experience at Guaranteed Rate. I know in the videos you were saying it's not the the best ballpark, and I could definitely agree not. with you on that. It's definitely it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've never – so I've been to Wrigley, obviously. I went when I was, like, six. So my experience there, like, I remember bits and pieces. But um, now being, you know, 22 years old, I'll definitely remember going to the White Sox a bit more. Um, just, like, super bland. I didn't feel like it had a lot of character. No, I, mean, I definitely agree. They don't have great colors. Like, black and white's hard to really, like, build a brand around. Um, so, like, you walk into the stadium, it feels, like, kind of cold. It was also, like, never sunny while I was there, so that definitely doesn't help. No. South side of Chicago, too, not, you know, the nicest area. No. no. I, I definitely, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody to go to Guaranteed Rate Field, uh, you know, in, in ahead of any other stadium in baseball. There's definitely some better ones to go to, but, you know, yeah. it was definitely a cool experience. I can't complain. Well, I think the biggest thing that the White Sox failed on is the fact that the stadium, if you turned it the other way, would face the city, which would make it look a thousand times better, but oh, yeah. whatever they're, they're <laughs> thinking. But 
Okay, so you said in one of your latest videos that you went to eat with Jabari Blash after the game, correct? Yes. Where did you go is the number one question. So yeah. we ended up going to the Cheesecake Factory because I think that was, like, right by their hotel. Great choice. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, fantastic choice. Big-ass menu, and, like, we're, we're look, you got lots of options there. So it was a Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty good. I can't complain. Yeah, did you get any Southside food with Healy? Uh, no, I didn't. I when I was with Healy, what we did was I got to his house the first night, like super late, went to bed, woke up the next day, getting ready for the game. And we pretty much like woke up, went to the stadium because we had to be there early because we were supposed to be there around like four o'clock in case like people right. happening to get on the field. There was the whole debacle with getting onto the field, getting the passes. So we ended up just like waiting there for a couple hours, saw the game, went out to eat with Jabari. Next day, same thing, got started early. So like I never really had the full time to okay. um i know like what portillo's right is like the big portillo's thing is huge. oh yeah huge yeah. I, I think I, I had portillo's in tampa last spring break because i think they have one there but i know the Chicago, uh -huh. that's the big yeah portillo's is starting to go everywhere so is there any in new york or in portillo's yeah no i don't think so i literally never heard of it like prior to like talking to healy and stuff so i don't i don't okay. made it out here but okay all right, so next we want to go into your latest YouTube videos and talk about a couple of the topics because I think they have been definitely good uh, talking points. So first I want to start with the shift. And I 110% agree that the shift has to be changed in some way because the way that we're taught to hit is being completely changed with the shift. And I love your uh, thinking of having two on each side yeah, me too. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so, I mean, like, obviously, when I grew up, the way I was taught to hit, like, the way I played, hits all fields, spray hitter, line drives, all that kind of stuff. But baseball is changing now, um, which, is it good? Is it bad? That's also could be debated. But my idea with the shift is that um, you're allowed to have – you have to have two guys on each side of second base. So you can't have, you know, four guys playing on the right side of second base if you have a guy like Joey Gallo. Now, with those two guys, you'd be able to put them wherever you want on that side of the infield. It's just a matter of before that pitch is thrown, they got to be there. You want to take the shortstop, put him an inch to the left of second base, and then as the pitch is being thrown, he runs over, go ahead. Give yourself that disadvantage. But uh -huh. I think you just got to keep them both on each side of the bag. Yeah, I think the shift is really taking a hit with the viewing and because it's just taking away action, like you were saying. It's taking away hits. It's taking away – honestly, if – like Joey Gallo, for example, how that crazy stat, he had more home runs than singles. Yeah. And just, I think that if that, the shift was taken away, that stat wouldn't be true. And players like Joey Gallo might be bigger names in baseball. Did you ever think of it that way? I mean, like, yeah, I definitely think he'll be a bigger name. And, like, the thing with Joey Gallo, too, is, like, everyone always says, like, oh, just hit it to the other side. Like, he can beat the shift. That's not what he's there for. They, the Texas Rangers uh, don't want Joey Gallo to hit home runs. If, if you're the opposing team, him hitting a single the other way or trying to bunt it down the other way, that's a win at the end of the day. Uh, the, him getting a single doesn't really hurt you. Him hitting a home run is what hurts you. So, of course, you know you bring in the shift and that helps out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah let, let, let me chime in real quick. I, I agree with you about the whole shift thing. Obviously, you look at everybody else. All the teams in baseball are shifting so much nowadays. You know, you got – um, it, like the Joey Gallo example is a perfect example. There was times where like he'd play the Astros and they would literally put everybody on the right side of the field because he knew the guy wasn't going to hit the ball, uh, down the third baseline at all. Um, I actually really like that idea of having two guys on each side of the bag because like, it still gives you 
like it gives you the str- the strategic aspect of being able to like put that second baseman in shallow right field or put the shortstop wherever you want to put him, but it still gives the hitter like a decent advantage too because like you were taught when I was growing up playing baseball I was a pretty big kid so it was always like power 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 but then as I got older it was like oh you got to stay in the gaps hit hit the ball spray it uh, find the hole and stuff like that so honestly I, I think it'd be better too if it went to the whole two people on each side of the bag because think about how many hits every single year get robbed because the shortstop's playing up the middle or the second baseman makes a ridiculous play in right field because he's playing in right field. Yeah. So like, I mean, in ter- like what, when you talked about the shift, you, you, you talked about pace of play and, or like getting people to come watch the game. And I, I agree if the shift got like completely eliminated, I think more people would like baseball because, um, There'd be more hits. It's confusing as hell. If I never watched baseball and I saw like three guys on the right side of the infield and just one guy on the left side all by himself, I'd be years now, so I don't know what it's done. But when it comes to trying to get younger guys in, the shift is a problem. From a baseball standpoint, is it a problem? Hell no. It has a strategic aspect for like hitters to be able to beat it but it has to get regulated to some port so one it benefits the baseball teams but it also benefits baseball as a sport in general and i think that's the part that gets lost in this whole conversation about the shift is that people think like oh we want to take away the strategic aspect we want the game like we want the game to change now the game has to change at this point because yes baseball is not necessarily struggling but it's not thriving like the nba i mean that sport is taking off like crazy it's entertaining people want to be entertained uh, with the shift eliminating it, yes, it gets rid of the strategical aspect. Of course, we want baseball still to have that. But at the same time, do we want it to be more strategic but also struggle in the fact or be hurt where you're not getting in these new viewers? Like, obviously, it's not going to be, you know, overnight. People aren't going to just start watching baseball. But the more and more it becomes entertaining, the more eyes that you get on the game, and hopefully the more it grows. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so with viewership, if you think about it, during the steroid era, viewership was at the highest it's ever been for baseball. Are you a person that thinks that steroids should be unbanned? It's like, I don't think it should be unbanned because, like, obviously, it is, like, it is a performance-enhancing drug. It doesn't make you a better baseball player, but at the same time, like, it is detrimental to health. You don't want to be promoting something that's, like, to little kids. You don't want to be like, yeah, man, just take some steroids and you'll be, like, able to play better. Because that's how yeah. little kids think about it. I mean, we have adults who think that steroids just make you a better player, and they don't yeah. understand what it actually does. Um, so, like, I don't think that they should be allowed, but I think that, like, I agree. That was definitely, like, the best part of baseball. I mean, I, I think we're all around the same age here. We all grew up basically with the steroid era. I remember waking up, like, seeing Barry Bonds hit home runs every day. I was like, this is amazing. This is so sick. Like, that's uh-huh. what I grew up with. I loved it, so... I wish we could bring back, like, that passion, that flair that that steroid era had, just not with, like, the negative connotation of performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah, I definitely agree. What do you think, Deegs? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I 100%. Steroids, they make you stronger. They make you bigger, but they don't make you a baseball player. Barry Bonds didn't have the eye that he had because he took steroids. Roger Clemens didn't win seven Cy Youngs because he took steroids. He was a great pitcher. Like, steroids – with that negative connotation, like they're bad for your health. Yeah, you you don't want to be the league that promotes like, yeah, man, go ahead, juice up. It's gonna make you a better baseball player. It's gonna help our ratings. But on on the flip side of that, like, yeah, I mean, I would kill to see a guy hit seventy home runs again. And is it ever gonna happen? I don't know. Uh, maybe Judge will do it. Maybe Giancarlo. Probably not. But I mean, yeah, probably not. 
that was super fun to watch guys hit tanks. Like people watch pe- people that watch baseball that aren't like diehard baseball fans and they go to baseball games just want to see people hitting nukes at the plate. Like I want to see a 465 foot home run. Like last year, I went to a Cubs game against. I think it might have been the Reds when Javi Baez hit that like 485 foot home run. And I'm not a Cubs fan, but that was super dope. Like that ball was killed. And uh-huh. like people want to see that. And I mean, do should steroids be allowed? Probably not. But you cannot say that when d- during the steroid era, baseball wasn't at its peak. And an- an- another thing with steroids, like I said, they don't make you a better baseball player. So that means that people who use them, I don't think they should be banned from the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player, in my opinion, ever play the game. And Mahoney, we've talked about this plenty of times. Yes, I've have. been very vocal about this on Twitter. If he doesn't get into the Hall of Fame, that's a crime. Like, for example, the the 35% of the ballots came out yesterday, and Mike Mussina has more Hall of Fame votes than Barry Bonds does. Like, I, and that, Clemens. And Clemens. That, that is a crime. And Mike Mussina is a great pitcher. Should he be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion? Yeah, probably. But should he get over, arguably, the greatest baseball player of all time just because Barry Bonds juiced up? Hell no. Hell no. Sure, it made him bigger, but it didn't take away from his eyes. It didn't take away from his gold gloves. It didn't take away from how really good of a hitter this guy was. So, yeah, man, I mean, Did obviously. I wonder on base percentage for, like, Almost half of his career. Like, he, walked, he walked. He walked like 250 times in one season, or something insane like that. Like, I mean, that's fun. If we had a guy like Mike Trout's a great baseball player, but is he probably ever going to reach what Barry Bonds was? No. Like, no. I, I Barry Bonds is the greatest baseball player of all time, and it sucks that he played in, in an era that has such a negative connotation. Even though, like, that was the most fun time that baseball was at. Like, before that strike happened, it was amazing. Baseball was, like, the most popular sport in this whole country. And now, like, now I have friends that play baseball at the collegiate level, like, like yeah, me and Mahomes Yeah, we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> that don't watch baseball. They just play it. That's nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it is crazy. Because then we try to talk to them, and they have no idea what we are talking about at all. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, from, like, high school baseball, obviously, is where I stopped. But, like, even on that team, like, all my boys, like, I have, like, you know, two or three guys that I can really talk baseball with. And even then, it's, like, not at the level that, like, I would still want. Like, we could talk about what happened the day before, talk about things here and there, like, trading players. But even, like, on a just, like, deep dive into it, it's just not nearly as popular. And those are guys who play baseball every day. Like, it's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. One, of my, one of my best buddies, he's a D1 baseball player. Dude throws, like, 94 Right, he has a legit chance of playing the pros. He doesn't watch baseball. Doesn't yeah. watch it. He just good at it. And that's that's a problem. You have guys who play the game and they don't even want to watch it or talk about it. Like that's a problem. Yeah. So in the last couple of years of baseball, we we saw this new thing coming to play, replay. And I don't know how I still feel about it. I know at the beginning when it was first introduced, I hated it. But the last couple of years, I've kind of learned to deal with it. And I feel like if, say, the White Sox were in the situation where a replay would really take chances in the playoffs or something in, like, five or six years, then possibly. But at the moment when it was first created, I was like, I don't see the point for this. I feel like it takes away some excitement from the game. Because I feel like it takes away coaches' ejections. But what we've learned is it definitely has not. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Replay, what you said, it takes more time out of the game. It takes five minutes to replay a play. It takes time for the manager to even say something. And I loved your plan on it has to be bang, bang. 
the fact that it, it's got to be like football, where you just say right away, we want challenge to play, other than telling the umpire to wait two, three minutes, get an answer from upstairs, and replay the play. Um, what do you think is the best plan for this? Do you think they should put a clock on it? It's like it's a weird thing to do because obviously, like like you said, the way it is right now, like it's the manager gets time to wait. There's a whole process, but also putting in a clock like also still slows down the game. Uh, I'm 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 just a big proponent of it's got to be it's got to be instant. Like you you have basically the time the the clock is essentially from when the play happens to when the next pitch is thrown. There shouldn't be any pause time in between. There shouldn't have to be a countdown. It's like you want to make the challenge, go ahead, do it right now. But like I hate the whole scenario of get on the phone what are they saying in the booth uh, give me a minute we're going to listen to it and then it slows down the game or you get the guys who like i mean the end of the inning how many times have we watched games the yeah inning, where they stay yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ending yeah. it up hold on stay on the field for a couple minutes and like if you're at a game or if you're watching it on tv you're like what is going on I don't, I don't understand why aren't they coming off the field three outs it's supposed to be the end of it so it's just like it's slowing the whole game down i'm a big fan of get the call right it's so important to get the call right uh-huh, but like also like in the stage of where we're like you know a guy slides in the second and like oh let's challenge because his foot was off for a split second it's like that's not really what replay is about exactly yeah yeah so with replay i feel like they're taking too much time also with not easy calls but calls that you can easily see if they're safer out and it feels like they're taking an extended amount of time for in a regular season game, game 150, where both teams are out of the playoffs, where it really doesn't matter. Um, I don't see the fact that they're taking 10 minutes to review a play at second base that, in the end, really doesn't matter. So do you think they should put restrictions on some calls, like the amount of times it takes to make the call, like give the umpires, like, Say it's game 150, like I just said, and they're both eliminated, and by two minutes you don't have the call decided, just stick with the call. Yeah, I think I think that's a decent idea. Um, like you said, like I think if you can't make the decision in three minutes, it's almost like, yeah, okay, there's not enough conclusive evidence to overturn it, kind of like the NFL. Like If you can't prove that it's different, then you just uh-huh. got to stick with the call. So I don't think that having a, a, a clock on how long the decision needs to be made is actually a bad idea. I think it's pretty good. Um, it's just like... You're going to get – there's always going to be problems. That's always the thing. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's, it's just like – and baseball is such an old sport. Everyone loves to argue about everything. It's, it starts – it's going to start even more problems, but I think it could be a solution as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, going back to the clock, I think one thing that definitely needs to be added in the next year or two is a pitching clock because uh, who's the pitcher that takes like oh, – Pedro uh, Baez. Yeah, Baez. the Dodgers. Takes, yeah, takes like two minute minutes in between pitches, and there's no reason for that to happen. No. No. Uh, do you know what the time is in the minor leagues? Isn't it like 20 seconds, 30 it's, seconds? It's 20 seconds, yeah. I think you have 20, 20 seconds. seconds from the windup. I don't know what it is from the stretch, because that's the only thing that's going to be difficult. Is how do you yeah, I don't think they could implement a clock on the stretch because of the timing. And like you said in the video, uh, base runners would know when to steal. Yeah. If the clock yeah. was near zero, they would just take off. Yeah. So – yeah, I definitely agree. Um, there needs to be a pitching clock. It's it's funny, though, how we all talk about all these things and how they need to be implemented, and we all know that it's probably not going to be tomorrow when this is all imp- implemented. So hopefully down the road we see more and more things added that makes the game better, like this one thing that I used to love, trucking the catcher. Yep. 
I I'll never forget being in the kitchen when I was like nine watching Buster Posey get hit. <laughs> that that was awful. I was but it brought a different excitement to the game. Yeah. Um I think that it should definitely be implemented. Um I don't know. I mean, Deegs, do you have any like disagreances with this or anything like that? Yeah, dude. I mean, I- I'm kind of indifferent about it because, like, when I like growing up, like now I'm a pitcher, but obviously, but I was a catcher when I was little, and I got trucked a few times, and like, it was so, so sometimes it was like, holy shit, like this dude just ran me over. But like, it it also adds kind of like a physical aspect of baseball. Like, you got to hold on to that ball with a grown ass man comes barreling down on you even though you have all, all that catcher's gear on now from that standpoint yeah i mean it, it's it's pretty cool because like you know i love watching football i love seeing a big hit happen every once in a while i mean it'd be kind of cool to uh for that to happen in baseball also it's like super dope when a catcher gets trucked over and he walks up and like he's still holding on to the ball and like everybody goes crazy and stuff like that but on the flip side if austin hedges or francisco mejia ever got trucked and we're out for the rest of the year, I'd be pretty pissed off. Like, yeah. my dad my dad was a Giants fan, and when Posey got trucked, that, like, ruined his whole season. So, like, it's indifferent. Obviously, player safety, you, you want to keep up with player safety because Buster Posey, one of the best catchers in baseball, the, the, that guy goes down, changes the whole landscape of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely so, agree. So, like, from one – like, for me, I personally like how it is now. Like, you shouldn't be able to truck the catcher because I know – that, like, if Mejia or Hedges went down, like, I'd be really pissed off that that was allowed. And I'm sure if Wilson Ramos got trucked and you guys had to go back to whoever the hell the the backup catcher is for the Mets, you'd probably be pissed too, Mark. Yeah, I'm not trying to see Kevin Kolecki out. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like, that's the whole problem is because, like, player safety is so important. You're paying so much money to these guys. It's important that they stay safe, stay on the field. And it kind of builds into the whole thing of, like, Buster Posey. At the time, he was a star in baseball. I don't necessarily think he is now, but at the time, he was. It hurts baseball to not have him on the field. Uh, you want to see him be playing as much as possible. It gets people watching the game. Um, it's just like, it's such a weird thing because, like, I love the collisions at the plate. But at the same time, like you said, I would hate to see my catcher go down. So it's like a yin and a yang almost. Like, you got to pick your poison. Yeah, I mean, the greatest White Sox memory that I have was A.J. Pruszynski trucking into Michael Barrett with yep. the White Sox and the Cubs. And that amazing fight happened. So I feel like trucking the catcher would add another element to the game. Uh, like Deke said, more of a physical side. Um, so moving on from that, the Tampa Bay Rays started this new experiment this year called the opener. And I, for one, I don't know how you two feel, but I absolutely hate it. And I want it gone from baseball because I feel like it takes away opportunities from other starting pitchers whether that be younger guys or just free agent starting pitchers that this has never been seen before. And I like you, Mark, I don't think this stays and I really hope it doesn't. Um, I could see this continuing in the playoffs, not the playoffs or using the uh, starting pitchers as a closing role in the playoffs. But the opener I hope is gone in the next year or two, because it just takes away from the game in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the opener because, like, I don't know if you guys agree with this opinion, but, like, typically when you get to the major leagues, a reliever is, what, a failed starter. Most people aren't being yeah. – Oh, like, definitely, 100%, oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to get that reliever. It's like, no, I'm going to get a starter, and he probably projects more as a reliever. So, uh-huh. like, I mean, we saw what happened with the Oakland A's in the playoffs against the Yankees. What a horrible, horrible decision to go with. Seriously, what? yeah. 
Hendricks or whatever it was, or who was it? Yeah, it was Liam Hendricks. Yeah, like, you go with Liam Hendricks, he got shelled. He didn't look great, and it was just, they put themselves in a deep hole. And then, especially, like, if you go to the bullpen for the entire year, let's say you do the opener, that's you can't sustain that kind of pitching throughout the entire year. Your arms are going to be gassed. You're going to need to go through 10, 11 pitchers throughout uh-huh. the month, probably, in the bullpen. Like, I don't know, starters... If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? Like, that's kind of my whole thing. And people uh-huh. like to argue, like, oh, in the playoffs, starting pitchers are pitching less. Yeah, but you're getting those starting pitchers coming in out of the bullpen now. Exactly. Again, like, because they're the better pitchers over the relievers. I'm okay uh-huh. with using maybe more, like, you throw a starting pitcher five, and then you bring in another guy three. Like, I think that's a great idea. But I don't understand what the positive is of starting a guy one inning and then just going all bullpen. I just It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, not me neither. What do you think, Deeks? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Okay, if you look at why the Rays started doing it, one, it was because they had a shit ton of injuries. Like, they had a bunch of guys go down. And two, I mean, their starting rotation outside of Blake Snell pretty much had a lot of holes. So uh, I'm not opposed to teams that have pretty solid bullpens uh, doing that. For example, the Padres. We had a time period where we had our fifth starter go down, and every fifth day was a bullpen day. And I'm pretty sure they won every single time they they did a bullpen day because you got – when you're a team that has a pretty solid bullpen and you have the luxury of rolling a guy out for uh, a reliever out to pitch every two innings, then you slide your closer in, in, in the ninth. I mean, that's pretty good. Typically relievers are yes, failed starters, but they're also failed starters who have the stuff to be effective enough for one inning. For example, um, Matt Strom, San Diego Padres reliever. You guys probably have no idea who that is. Former number one prospect of the Kansas city Royals. Dude should be a starting pitcher. He's 23 years old. Is he going to be a starter long-term? Probably. I think he'll be in, in the rotation this year. But if he stays in the bullpen, he has some of the nastiest stuff from the left side I've seen from a reliever in the last five years. And, like, that's typically how it goes. That still have the ability for one or two innings or to face three or four batters and get the job done. Do I think the opener is going to stick around? No, I don't. I think – what happened with the A's in the playoffs when they decided to throw a bunch of relievers out is going to teams are, are going to start doing that. They're going to fail miserably and it's going to go away pretty quickly, but it's kind of a cool idea where if you have a good enough bullpen, like the Padres did, or for the majority of the year, the A's did, or the Yankees, even like you just throw relievers out to pitch every two innings, keep the guys off balance and see how it goes. So do I necessarily like the whole opener thing? No, but am I opposed to like bullpen days where guys go out there and you throw five different guys, two innings of pop, the closer gets the ninth? Not really. I mean, that's kind of a fun thing to do if your rotation either sucks or they're injury prone. Yeah, I think I like, I, d- I definitely like agree more with what you're saying, where like, you know, like you said, the Potters had an issue with the fifth starter. So they would go to the bullpenning days, which I think is okay. It's just like the opener. I just, I don't understand the process of like one inning. Because the Rays would do, like, they would throw out, what, Romo out there for an inning? Romo. Romo threw a ton this year, yeah. They would throw, what, like, Yarborough out there for, like, four, right? And then they're uh-huh. back to, like, regular bullpen. So I'm like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just start with Yarborough. And, like, it's the whole just opening it up with the reliever. I get, like, maybe because it's the first three batters, just start the game off, like, guaranteed, going one, two, three. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's such a foreign concept to me, and I'm very, like, I'm a traditionalist for baseball. So, like, I don't know. I just, I hate the whole idea of weakening the bullpen like every, you know, three or four days just Uh to get maybe that one extra win where like, 
I mean, with the Mets, it's a different scenario, but like the Padres, the starting rotation isn't strong to begin with. So every five days you're going out bullpenning. Let's say that's, you know, two days later, Joey Lucchese or whatever has a bad outing. Then the bullpen's even more tired. Like, yeah. And it, I feel like it's just going to snowball. It's going to be a big effect. And I, I don't know. I can't see it being effective for an entire season. But the Rays kind of proved it wrong last year. I don't know. We'll they see definitely what- did, yeah. Yeah, Um. so sticking with the opener, like what you said earlier, Deegs, people that don't watch a lot of baseball and they come in to watch a game and they see the shift, they're going to be confused and just flustered. I feel like if they were watching a baseball game with an opener, they'd be even more confused with pitchers pitching one or two innings and switching off and seeing yeah. a yeah, bunch of pitchers in a game. They would see, like, like if, if it was my first time going to a baseball game, right, and I, let's say I'm going to a, um, a Rays game for some reason, and Sergio Romo goes out there and goes one, two, three, and gets the, the first uh, three batters out, no problem. If I was a casual baseball fan or it was my first time ever going to a game and I didn't see Romo on the mound the next inning, I'd be confused as shit. I'd be like, this guy just got the first three batters out. He pitched fantastic. And they pulled him? Like, what the hell is this nonsense? So, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just like the shift. That is another thing that can drive people away from baseball because baseball is an extremely complex sport. I was trying to explain to some of my relatives here, like – how baseball works and they immediately just got super confused because you have to really know all the strategy and stuff that goes into baseball. So yeah, I mean, that's a really good point to make. I didn't even think about that when talking about the opener is like, that could be one other thing that confuses the hell out of just a casual person watching baseball. Yeah. It's yeah. Man's game. I mean, like baseball, I don't, I don't want it to go away from being like complex at all. I love that part about it, but at the same time, it just needs to be easier to follow. Cause again, like you said, like if you were watching a game, you'd be like, why is he not back out there? And, like, baseball needs to be star-driven. That's one of the problems in baseball. We don't have enough stars. Like, Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, without a doubt. A lot of people don't even know who he is because he's so quiet. Like, he's just not start. Uh-huh. You start getting more of these bullpen guys being more prominent and being used more. No one's following a bullpen guy. No one's like, oh, man, I can't wait to go see Sergio Romo pitch one inning. You're like, oh, I want to go see Blake Snell throw seven. Like, it's, Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so another point that you made in your last latest video was a DH in the NL, which I feel is definitely, I feel like this can happen the most out of any of the things that we've talked about. I feel like it could definitely happen within the next year or two. And I've been talking to people about this and they're saying, what about the pitchers that can hit? And they're not going away. I feel like the teams could still use them as DHs. There's no problem with that. Like, your Jake Arrieta or your Madison Baumgartner or uh, who is the guy in the Reds that hit like four or five home oh, runs? The reliever. Let's no, see. it's the re- um the the Lorenzen. super jack dude, Lorenzen. Yeah, Lorenzen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I could see that the DH and NL, but it gives teams options that if that pitcher does pitch and they don't want to, they want to rest somebody, they could definitely do that and just have the pitcher hit. So I feel like a DH in the NL comes with two things. It comes with an extra hitter or it comes with just using your best hitting pitcher. So what do you, what do you guys think about a DH possibly coming into the NL? Uh, I mean, like I personally, I, like I said, I think it should change. It's not necessarily something that I want to see. Cause I love the whole, like having the pitcher hit 
it takes away like a lot of the managerial decisions. Like AL baseball is just not even nearly as complex as National League baseball. Like I love to say Joe Torre is one of the most overrated managers in baseball because he just threw out the same nine nine every single day. Oh, yeah. He uh-huh. put in his bullpen guys and that's it. He never had to do double switches. He never had to make defensive substitutions, none of that kind of stuff. And that's what having that pitcher hitting the nine hole does. It, it makes a lot more decisions. It's, oh, am I going to leave him in because he's due up next inning or am I going to take him out now and double switch? But at the same time, there's really no reason for the pitcher to be hitting. Every three innings, basically, you're getting a guaranteed out at the plate. And yes, you have guys like Arietta, Mad Bum, Syndergaard who can break. But at the same time, they can rake and they're still hitting like what 150. Like it's yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's not really like they're hitting 300 or 400. They're still terrible hitters at the end of the day. It's just they're uh-huh. up for a pitcher. So yeah, I mean, true. you know what? Yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right. And I, I like the idea that you said of like if the Giants wanted to throw Mad Bum out there to be their DH for the day while he's pitching. I think that's a great idea because, uh-huh. like you said, like you can still have the pitcher hit. He can still be effective essentially. Um, but it, I think the ability to have a DH is something that the NL like is going to eventually be. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's the right move. Yeah. Deeks. Yeah. For me, it's either you have it in both leagues or you have it in like none because that, like you said, American league managers, they don't have to worry about doing defensive, defensive substitutions. They don't have to worry about moving guys around. They don't have to worry about having pinch hitters ready to come hit for the pitcher. Because you guys, uh, you got a guy on second base with two outs, and you got to get him in. You don't have to worry about pulling your starter in the sixth inning because you got to get a pinch hitter in to get this run because you're going up against Jacob DeGrom or Scherzer or Nola or Kershaw, a guy like that where you're probably not going to get another opportunity to score a run. But I personally want the DH in the National League solely for the purpose that it's, it is in the American League as well. And I feel like, especially from like the Padres' perspective, five years, four or five years down the line, we got a lot of prospects, first base prospects, shortstop prospects that are going to be blocked by Hosmer, by Tatis, that are gonna, we're going to have to either trade them or utilize them off the bench where we could just plug them into our DH spot and let, and let them hit from there. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to either have it in both leagues or have it in none. But another reason why I think the DH in the National League uh, should be like – in effect is because nobody wants to see pitchers bad unless it's like mad bum going yard Arietta going yard Syndergaard going yard but also like from a from a pure health standpoint how many like how many times has, has a pitcher been swinging and gotten hurt like what, what happened with DeGrom when he yeah. hurt his elbow when he when he hyperextended his elbow uh pitching like if I was a Mets fan I'd be pissed if yeah. my ace went down swinging a bat. And it, the only way to avoid that now is to tell him to go up there, put the bat on your shoulder, and don't swing. And that's a guaranteed out. Like, that kills momentum. Like, oh, great, you turned the lineup, but you didn't score a run, so it doesn't matter. So, for me, you either have it in both or you have it in none. I, fir- I think the DH in the NL will be in full effect by the time that I graduate college in 2022. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said with the injuries, too. What was it, Rich Hill a couple years? Was it last year or the year before where he went to bunt and he hit himself in the face? Like, yeah. Two, yeah, I think uh, it was two years ago, yeah. Just yeah like, two years that's ago. That's different injuries to pitchers when, like, they're arguably one of the most valuable positions in all of baseball. At least money-wise, they're so coveted. So, uh-huh. like, to the, uh, who was it, Chin Ming Wong, uh, like, 10 years ago with the Yankees? He's playing the Astros. He was having a great year. He hits the ball, runs out of the first baseline, like, tears his hamstring. Never the same. Yeah. Like, there's just – that sucks. Well, then didn't that also happen to Mark Pryor? Didn't he break his arm or something running the bases? 
Uh, I'm not sure to be honest. I was, yeah, uh, Mark, Mark Pryor. But there's been like, like, quick. like there's been a lot of instances where we've seen guys get hurt, whether it be swinging the bat or running down the bases. Like you take off in a full sprint down the bag, to tr- like to try and beat something out. Like you're giving your full hustle, and you tear something, and there you go. Like your season's over. Like imagine um, last year with Jake Arrieta, if if the Phillies signed him to that contract, and then like in his first or second at bat, the dude gets hurt. Like that's a total waste. I mean, like, and I think last year, too, when the Mets played the Yankees, Tanaka, he pitched to get one game in uh, Queens, and he was or running Or home. you have it in none, but I think the NL should have a DH. Yeah, but, like, Tanaka was, like, running home, and again, like, pulled his quad, and it's like, the dude misses a couple starts. That kind of sucks. Like, it's just, it's unfair, because, like, he shouldn't be getting hurt running the bases. He shouldn't be getting hurt hitting. He's there to pitch. Yeah, not at all. Exactly. Um, so, Mark, this would be a total waste of a podcast if we didn't talk about the Mets with you. <laughs> which I cannot wait to do. Okay, your Mets has had a very, very busy offseason. And if I was a Mets fan, I'd be very excited. How well do you think Brody has done since he has stepped into that general manager role? I've been so incredibly impressed with how good Brody's been. Um, when they first like came out with all the rumors that they were going to get Brody as a GM, I was like, what are we doing? We're getting into That's exactly what I thought. Like, I even made my video owner. I was like, listen, I'm going to give him a chance. But at the same time, like, it's not going to be a long leash with him. Like, he, he's got to show me something right now. And that's what he's done. I mean, getting Cano and Diaz. Yes, Cano's contract isn't the most friendly for the Mets going down the line. But right now, Cano is still a good player. He's, yeah, he's still fantastic. And they're trying to win right now. So that helps us. Edwin Diaz is a stud. Like, I'm pumped about him. I'm oh. super excited. He got Wilson Ramos dirt cheap. And they offered Grandal a contract, which I thought was very fair. He turned it down. They're like, all right. Oh, so yeah. That's a great contract. For $19 million. Cheap. They got Jerry Familia back. Like, I'm really excited. Go get me now a center fielder and maybe another starting pitcher. And I'm going to be like, listen, that's a great offseason for the Mets. Yes, we didn't get Harper. We didn't get the big names. But for what we have and what we did with our money, I'm really pumped with this. Like, the dude's out there working. That's all I can ask for. I mean, we've had Sandy Alderson the last few years who – was there because he's great with working on a budget. And that's what the Mets were doing the last three or four years, was working on a budget. So he did what he could. Um, but now that Brody's there, it looks like he's getting really creative and he's changing a lot, which is really exciting as a Mets fan. Yeah. Um, what else do you think the Mets have left in this so offseason? We need a center fielder. Juan Lagares is good, but, you know, I say good as in he's serviceable. He's not yeah. a great center fielder. No one's saying, give me Juan Lagares out there. Um, but it's always health with him and he really hasn't played like more than one season with good health. So I can't really rely on him. So get me a center fielder. Um, I'd like to maybe see like another, another bench bat, but that's kind of down the line. We need another starter. I I want Gio Gonzalez so badly as our five move Vargas to the bullpen, get Gio as the five. He grew up a Mets fan. Like this is perfect. He wants to play for the Mets. Um, it's just. I don't know if the Mets are really going to be willing to spend the money. Uh, maybe Adam Warren out of the bullpen. I've been seeing Marlon Gonzalez. I'd be happy with either of those guys. Um, so they, they still got some pieces, bullpen and center field being the big ones. Yeah. Um, do you see A.J. Pollock being a place in center field? Because I know my White Sox have been talks with him, and I do not want him on my team at all with his injury-prone last couple seasons. Yeah, he's definitely injury prone. When he's on the field, he's a beast. There's no doubt in that. Oh, yeah. It's a matter of whether he can. And a lot of his injuries have been freak injuries. Like, he dives for a ball and he breaks his hand. Like, that's something yeah. that's just unlucky. Um, but I don't see Pollock being on the Mets. Uh, they've been talking about, like, the amount of money that they want to spend the rest of the year. And it just doesn't seem like he fits into that budget. 
Um, uh, I would obviously like to see him there because I think he is a better player than Ligaris. And even though, you know, the Mets have the history of being terrible with injuries and Pollock is an injury riddled player, I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt of like, hey, he's going to come back healthy. You know, that's kind of how you look at the season every year is as if everyone's going to be healthy. Um, but I, I don't see Pollock being on the Mets. Yeah, what about, you know what? Um, yeah, go ahead, Deeks. What about potentially Adam Jones? Like, I know he's a little older. The guy probably fits better in a corner outfield role by right now. But maybe what, what are your thoughts on the Mets bringing in, bringing in Adam Jones? I actually love Adam Jones as a player. I think he's so underrated. Like, every, I think baseball is so, like, analytical-driven and sabermetric-driven, and he doesn't necessarily work to the sabermetrics because he doesn't walk and all that kind of stuff. But the dude every year hits 20 home runs, drives in 80 runs, hits 280, plays – arguably a goal glove center field. You know, he may not have the range that he used to, but he's out there making plays that a lot of center fielders can't. Um, they gave him like a two-year deal. That's something I'd be interested in, but I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to want to go probably more, probably more three, four years. And again, he does fit more as a corner outfielder now, um, especially with the Mets not having the greatest corner outfielders defensively. Like Conforto and Nimmo aren't bad by any means. They're definitely good. Um, uh-huh. If you had more athletic guys out there, then yeah, he could play center, but... I think him being the sole guy in center and relying on him is going to be a little tough. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the way the Mets have changed this offseason, I am very interested to see how the season goes because I definitely think that they can make a great run for the East. Oh, yeah. No, um, so yeah. Um, so sticking with the Mets, I'm just curious. Do you have any interesting Mets stories? Any interesting Mets stories? Um, I mean, when they lost to the Cardinals in the NLCS in 2006, I threw a hissy fit. So that, that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think any particularly interesting Mets stories that I have. What are your, what are your thoughts of how they lost all those heartbreaking games in the World Series to the Royals? That was, that was bad because I was there at all games so oh you were there oh, that's awesome god dude that, awesome but I, not awesome I, awesome but i would be oh my god i'd be i'd be i'd be depressed i like i flew home for the nlcs to see the cubs so i flew home for that i saw all those games that was incredible I was like, this is sick and then they made it to the world series i'm like okay i'm gonna fly home again so like two back-to-back weekends i flew home from south carolina and i remember the game where Syndergaard comes out and pitches, throws the ball over Escobar's head. The Mets come out and stomp the Royals. I'm like, holy shit, it's happening. We're, co- we're coming back and winning this thing. Like, it's, this is crazy. And then, like, to see Lucas Duda make that throw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right there. Everyone, like, likes to talk about Terry Collins mismanaging the World Series. That Lucas Duda throw right there is the number one reason why the Mets lose. Because they're like, oh, Familia blew the games, all this kind of stuff. No. Duda needs to make a routine throw, 90 feet, first base, uh-huh. and he sails it. Hosmer was out by 60 feet. It wasn't even close. And it's just, I feel like that's the big play that changed everything. It was, let me tell you, like, that was the only World Series I've ever been to because I was too young in 2000. Um, but I never want to see a team celebrate on City Field again. That was just like, no, I don't believe me and my dad just sat there and watched her like, damn, this sucks. Like, this, yeah, I would have loved, loved for it to be the other way. It would have been so cool, but. It was unfortunate. Yeah. Um, were you more upset with the way the Mets performed last season or losing the World Series? Oh, the way the Mets performed last season, definitely. Because oh, yeah. that year they made it to the World Series, like, you got to remember, we thought we were trading Wilmer Flores and Zach Wheeler for Carlos Gomez at one point. And then we got Cespedes, and he was like the Messiah. The dude could do nothing wrong. He was in MVP talks in the National League, and he had only played for half a season in the league. Yeah. So that was just like, the most incredible like baseball high I've ever had in my life where I was like, 
they are just playing out of their minds. They're playing so good. They make it to the World Series. They seem unstoppable. And they weren't supposed to be there at the beginning of the year. So, like, I was I was cool with that. Where last year it was, like, we started off, what, 12-1, and 11-1? Oh, yeah. That's and then we right. had that, like, 6-7 stretch where we won, like, 8. We went, like, 8-25 and 25 or something like that. It was just heartbreaking. I mean, that was, hey, uh, that was yeah. so Real quick, um, some baseball news. Actually, I don't Robertson has oh agreed to a deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. He has David Robertson with the Phillies. Oh, wow. And the White Sox officially offered Machado. I did see that while we were talking, but I'm pretty sure I had Robertson going to the Phillies in my free agency guesses. So, hey, good for you, Let's, man. Yeah, there we go. Hey, um, hey, Mark, real quick, realistically speaking, like, you know, in the NL East, it being a pretty competitive division. What do you think the Mets will realistically do this year? I think the Mets – I don't think the Mets win the NL East. I think that's asking a little bit too much right now because I think the Braves are the team to beat still. And actually, I don't even think the Braves are the team to beat. I think it's the Nationals still. Even losing Harper, I think that team's still the team to beat um, just because the Braves' lack of, like, pitching in general. Um, yeah. But I think the Mets, they're definitely competing for a wild card spot. I think that's 110%. I think that's the realistic move is that you aim – you obviously are trying to win the East, but wild card is the goal. Um, and I think that's very attainable. Like I, even with Robertson right now, I don't think the Phillies are better than the Mets. And uh, I think people are going to get on me for that being a little bit of a homer, but mm-hmm. you look at that Phillies team last year, everyone talks about them. They finished two games under 500, which was only yeah. games better than the Mets. It's not like the Phillies were 88 and, you know, 72 or whatever this, the record would be. I mean, they were, they got off to a hot start and they cooled off big time. And I feel like people are still living off that hot start where I'm like, Look at their lineup. They got McCutcheon, who's a nice addition. They got Gene Segura, who's a nice addition. But Reese Hoskins, that's kind of it. That's their hitters. They're, there's not much after that, I don't think. No, not at all. So, Odubel Herrera's pretty decent. I mean, he kind of he, he did. He's look, very, look, like, look streaky. Though. It's like 250. Yeah, he's very streaky. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, um, and they're pitching, too. Their pitching's weak. Aaron Nola's a beast. Let's not, you know. Yeah, like, he's a monster. Oh, Aaron Nola's. Same, yeah. No one, no one's scared of Zach Eflin, you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Or, or or Nick Pavetta. Yeah. yeah. Guys who like yeah. you know, they got some good stuff, but their numbers just aren't there. Yeah. No. Not at all. Okay. So thinking about realistically what the Mets do, let's go to who do you think is going to win the World Series in 2019? 2019. Ooh. As of right now. As of right now. So, I th- I like I did this last year too, but the Yankees are so good. The Yankees are so good. I hate it. It it. it pains me to say it, but it's really hard for me to pick against them, especially getting Paxton, uh, getting Hat back. Like, that rotation, everyone's talking about they need pitchers. That rotation's really good. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think they need any more pitchers. If they get Machado, it's going to be stupid. Yeah, because they're getting Machado. It's just a matter of when. I know. They're they're just too good. They're way too good. And I hate to say it because it's like everything I believe against, but I really do think that they're the team to beat in 2019 right now. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Deegs? Yeah, I mean, right now, yeah, it's definitely the Yankees, in my opinion, especially if they get Machado. That's just stupid. Like, that lineup is literally a pitcher's nightmare. Uh, so, probably the Yankees. I mean, it's a toss-up for me right now from the National League. Who goes up against them? Yeah, obviously, you got the Dodgers, unfortunately, because I despise the Dodgers. You got the Cubs. You can never count the Cubs out. Uh, Milwaukee, I mean, they were a game away from doing it last year. Maybe St. 
maybe St. Louis if they get a starting pitcher or two. I don't know. So I think the American League is pretty much like a three-team race right now between the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Astros. But the National League is kind of a toss-up, in my opinion. But yeah, I would. It would be really hard and really stupid of me to pick up to pick against the Yankees. The thing that like confuses me the most is the Indians like are that fourth team, and if they got some pieces, they could easily be a contender. Like, I mean, they still are a contender even with the team they have that they throw out there now. But talking about like trading Kluber or Bowers, what are you doing? Go get a guy like Adam exactly. in the outfield. Go get a Nick Marquez. Go get some pieces, and they can compete for a World Series. Like that pitching staff is filthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my what with my White Sox, I've seen the Indians' success the last couple of years, and I think it would be stupid for just for baseball even in Cleveland. I mean, the fact that you have one of the best rotations in the league, and all you need is a couple batters i mean i'm surprised they didn't try and bring brantley back and try to push him a little bit more but you know what i'm actually kind of not excited but i feel like jake bowers is going to be a big part of that team yeah be interesting to see what he does i liked him in tampa bay a lot yeah i liked him too i was surprised that tampa bay let him go so easily like that yeah but uh yeah, I think that pretty much concludes it. Uh, Mark, if you want to tell everybody where they can find you on social media, that'd be great. Sure. So if you're on YouTube, you can find me at Drafting Mark. Pretty much everything is Drafting Mark. So YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, talking baseball all the time. So if you're interested in that, go uh, go give me a check out. Yeah, we definitely love your videos, Mark. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, we wish the Mets good luck this season. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I wish the White Sox and Padres some good luck, too. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right, Mark, you have a good one, man. Peace out, guys. Bye-bye. Perfect. 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 Perfect.